I'm Ross Worla with Worla Brothers Farm in Rosenberg, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We are once again locked, loaded, and ready to roll with another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, USDA released its monthly cattle on feed report on Friday, and it did contain a surprise. Placements coming in much higher than expected. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. We have had an abundance of rain in the Texas High Plains in recent months, but as our growing season continues, more rain will be needed. I'm James Hunt and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. What a difference a year makes on corn, grain sorghum and cotton field test in South Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti and on today's report, corn and sorghum as a proactive crop versus cotton as a reactive crop. That's ahead on Texas Ag Today. There's a new congressional effort to look into the farm labor crisis that is impacting U.S. agriculture. I'm Gary Joyner, and I'll have details of the Agricultural Labor Working Group on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Friday's monthly cattle on feed report had a surprising number in it. It showed cattle on feed 3% below a year ago and marketing's 2% above last year. But it's that placements number that caught everyone off guard. USDA says placements into the feedlots last month were 5% higher than one year ago. And that is well above the range of pre-report guesses. USDA Livestock Analyst Shale Shagum says the big run-up in feeder cattle and calf prices may be luring more producers to send animals to feedlots. Feedlots returns were, were quite strong during May. Uh, they were strong during April. They've been positive for quite a bit of the year. So I think there was also a very strong demand for calves. If we look at the, the price of 750 to 800 pound calves in Oklahoma City, currently they're running about $228 a hundredweight, which compares to about $163 a year ago. So, I mean, very strong demand, which is reflected in that high price. And apparently, given the fact that feedlots have had good returns, is a sign that they're willing to pay to keep those animals coming into the into the feedlot. 
The total number of cattle on feed is just under 11.6 million head. Placements of cattle into the feedlots last month, about 2 million head. And feedlots marketed just under 2 million head. A South Texas university received a big federal grant to help bring more Hispanic students into agricultural careers. Texas A&M University Kingsville has been awarded a $20 million grant from the U.S. Department of Agriculture to prepare the next generation of agricultural leaders. According to the university, the grant will be used to establish a collaborative five-year program that will help Hispanic students learn the skills needed for an agriculture-related career. The university and its partners will create a pathway for students from high school to undergraduate and graduate programs and then into food, agriculture, natural resource, and human sciences careers. Through the program, students will be offered mentorship, professional and personal development opportunities, and the chance to develop bilingual skills. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Dallas will turn blue and gold in two weeks as FFA members from across Texas head to DFW for the 95th annual Texas FFA Convention. More than 15,000 students, industry professionals, and agricultural science educators from across the state are expected to participate on July 10th through the 14th at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center. We have had an abundance of rain on the Texas High Plains recently, but James Hunt tells us more will be needed as the growing season progresses. In the past couple of months, rains around the Texas High Plains have greatly alleviated what were once frightening drought conditions. The latest Texas Drought Monitor map shows only a small portion of our region is in D1 drought and no counties are rated in the more worrisome D2, D3, or D4 classifications. Many area counties, in fact, are now categorized as having returned to normal or wet conditions. However, in the past two weeks or so, looking at the region as a whole, our rains have become a little less ample and more scattered. And our stored soil moisture, especially at the upper layer, is being pressured by crop water demand and warmer temperatures. That water will deplete very quickly under hot, dry conditions. As that plant starts to grow and those roots start to deepen. That's Texas A&M AgriLife agronomist Jordan Bell. Dr. Bell also says one thing that will make retaining moisture more challenging is that out in the fields this season, there is less residue to serve as a blanket and help keep soil temperatures cool. For years, we have really pushed residue management, and producers have been very good about adopting conservation tillage so they can maximize the amount of residue that's left on the field. But in recent years, we have had a drought, and so under drought conditions, there's less biomass that's produced and under the dry land conditions the past couple years we've had many fields where we just haven't produced anything so we have bare fields out there of course in the spring we talked about how those fields were susceptible to wind erosion but as we move into the heat of the summer those fields are now susceptible to evaporative losses so indeed more rain is needed this growing season i'm james hunt on the texas farm bureau radio network One year has made a huge difference for Texas farmers and ranchers. Tom Nicoletti has more from a Southeast Texas Field Day. 
My guest is Scott Stanislaw. He is technical agronomist uh, with uh, Bear Crop Science, and he covers South Texas. And uh, Scott, we are here at Paul and Linda Friend uh, Farm, where uh, the annual field day was held for about uh, 140 to 150 farmers. Uh, a lot of uh, optimism among the farmers, certainly because in the turnaround with the weather. Oh, absolutely. What the difference a year makes. Last year, at this time, crops were suffering through drought. We knew that yields were going to be low average and you know we come to this year same exact time and things look much much better at the moment so corn and sorghum the grain crops look definitely above average cotton kind of struggled through some of this cool wet weather that we had back in may and it's coming around it's just a little bit delayed so we're going to have to change our management plans from a cotton standpoint and try and take that crop further into the year most likely to achieve the yields that we typically would want for this area one point that was made was that uh, cotton is more of a reactive type of crop, whereas corn and green sorghum are more proactive when it comes to what farmers need to do in their fields. Explain the difference there and, and why that's important to know. If you think about a corn crop, a lot of decisions are made up front that you know that are going to happen. Corn progresses in a manner typically throughout the year, whether it's a disease or whatever, you know there's certain timings to look for them and you can kind of plan ahead to some degree. Whereas in a cotton crop, it's very much so more reactive, especially throughout the growing season where we're having to make management decisions on the fly due to whether it's excessive rainfall that gives us rank growth where we have to go out and put out some some plant growth regulators or any of the insect pests that we would manage for throughout this part of the state. That is Scott Stanislav, technical agronomist with Bear Crop Science. In Southeast Texas, I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. There's a new congressional effort to look into the farm labor crisis that's impacting U.S. agriculture. Gary Joyner has the details on the Agricultural Labor Working Group. Leaders of the U.S. House Committee on Agriculture recently formed a bipartisan agricultural labor working group to investigate the labor challenges facing America's farmers and ranchers. Let's hope the effort is successful. A solution to our nation's farm labor crisis is long overdue. Labor is one of the largest limiting factors facing agriculture. A skilled, reliable workforce is needed to help grow and raise our sustainable food supply. A system that provides long term stability is critical. Meaningful reform to our nation's guest worker visa program would provide security to farmers and ranchers and their employees. Farm work is challenging, often seasonal and transitory. With fewer and fewer Americans growing up on the farm, it's increasingly difficult to find American workers attracted to these kinds of jobs. Not all farm labor can be replaced by machines either. There are certain farm jobs that require a human touch. U.S agriculture needs anywhere from one and a half to two million hired workers, and there is a shortage in the workforce. Texas farmers and ranchers have had a help wanted sign out far too long. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. New Year federal duck stamps are on sale now. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And as we enter the summer months, anthrax can become a problem. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today.
Why do you listen? I just want to stay informed while I'm on the go. News on the radio, it's nice because it's just a quick snippet and I don't have to go searching for it or grab a paper. I listen to radio because anywhere that I'm going, I'm listening to music or I'm listening to a talk show or I'm just trying to stay up on current events. I always turn into the radio to see if I need to take shelter or where it's hitting to see what I need to be preparing for. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. As we enter the summer months, anthrax can become a problem. Dr. Bob Judd says it affects both livestock and wildlife. Anthrax is a bacterial disease that commonly occurs in Texas in the summers, especially South Texas. Dr. Terry Hensley from the Texas AgriLife Extension Service indicates that anthrax is not contagious like the flu. The most common route of infection is bacterial spores from contaminated forage, soil, or water. But inhaling the bacteria and introduction through a wound is possible. Cattle, sheep, goats, horses, and deer are more susceptible than swine or carnivores such as dogs. Humans are considered somewhat resistant to anthrax compared to cattle, but humans can get infected by handling a carcass and inhaling or ingesting the spores or wound contamination of the spores. Anthrax poses little risk to the average person, but veterinarians, ranchers, and hunters in areas of South Texas are more susceptible. In Texas, the anthrax triangle is created by connecting a line between Uvalde, Ozona, and Eagle Pass. The bacteria produces two toxins resulting in fever, depression, and organ system failure. Death may occur suddenly in ruminants, but horses may exhibit signs of subcutaneous edema and a more protracted course of disease than cattle. Animals that die may have absence of rigor mortis, bloody discharge from body openings, and lack of blood clotting. Treatment of animals is generally unsuccessful, and there is a vaccine available. The most important thing to know about anthrax is if you see an animal that has potentially died of anthrax, do not open the carcass, as the spores can remain in the environment for decades. Instead, call your veterinarian or the Texas Animal Health Commission. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. New federal duck stamps are on sale now. Jessica Domel has more in today's wildlife report. The state duck and goose hunting seasons are still a few months away, but hunters can start preparing now by buying a New Year federal duck stamp. The 2023-2024 Federal Migratory Hunting and Conservation Stamp, which is also called the Duck Stamp, and Junior Duck Stamps are on sale now. According to the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, this year's Duck Stamp features three tundra swans. It was painted by Joseph Hotman of Plymouth, Minnesota. The stamp is the sixth that Hotman has designed. His work was chosen out of 187 entries into this year's contest. This year's junior duck stamp depicts a hooded merganser. It was painted by 15-year-old Mila Linue Tong of Virginia. Federal duck stamps and the junior duck stamps are required for waterfowl hunters along with a valid state hunting license. You can buy them online, at sporting goods stores, retail stores, and at some post offices and national wildlife refuges. Proceeds from the sale of duck stamps are used to fund waterfowl habitat conservation. 
Since 1934, duck stamp sales have raised more than $1.2 billion to conserve over 6 million acres of wetland habitat on national wildlife refuges. In addition to being required for waterfowl hunters, duck stamps also serve as free admission to any national wildlife refuge that charges an entry fee. Texas hunters are eligible to purchase e-duck stamps. You can buy them at txfgsales.com. That is the website for official Texas hunting and fishing license sales. Again, that is txfgsales.com. A link is available on the U.S. Fish and Wildlife website as well. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll look back at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Why do you listen? I typically listen here at work from my desk on my way to work in the morning. When we wake up, it goes on the radio. I can hear a song and be instantly transported back to a time in my life that I enjoy remembering. I think that's what I like listening to radio for is just to stay informed on whether it's news, sports, new music, anything. Why do you listen? Go to whyilisten.com, tell us why you listen, and you have a chance to win $500. Visit whyilisten.com today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Another day of corn and cattle moving in opposite directions on Tuesday. The corn market took a drop, so cattle prices took a jump higher. June live cattle up $1.60, ending the day at $179.30. August up $1.90, $172.50, with October live cattle up $205. 17607. Bigger jump on the feeders. August feeder cattle up 482, 23850. September feeders up 447 at 24197. October feeder cattle up 422, 24432. Cash fed cattle market seeing some early week trade on Tuesday. Not a lot, but we did see a few cattle sell out of Kansas at 178. That's two bucks slower compared to last week. Boxed beef prices were mixed Tuesday. Choice down a dollar eight, three thirty one ninety six. Select up twenty nine cents at two ninety nine ninety six. Now let's check those sale barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Doug Bass, my guest. He sold cattle in Brenham on Friday. Doug, how was it? We had a good sale, Mr. Larry. Uh, ended up with six hundred forty head of cattle. Uh, market looked good. I like the camp market. Was a little better than it was a week before. Uh, cow market looked a little stronger, so had a, had a good sale. Walk the pins with us, Doug. Yes, sir. On your way in cow, get there low yielding cow, sixty-eight to seventy-nine. Better a medium flesh cows, eighty to eighty-nine. And, uh, better better cows break ninety to a dollar ten. Um, the bulls lower yielded their bulls ninety to one hundred nine. Better bulls bring one ten to one twenty-eight. Had a few pairs, pairs better pairs bring sixteen fifty to eighteen hundred. Medium top red cows bring twelve hundred to fourteen fifty. The calf market, like I said, it looked really good. Two to three weight steers, two forty to three fifteen. Heifers two thirty to two eighty two. Three to four weight steers, two thirty five to two eighty five. Heifers two twenty to two forty seven. Four to five weight steers, two twenty to two sixty eight. 
peppers, two dollars to two fifty-two. Five to six weight steers, two dollars to two forty-nine. Peppers, one eighty-five to two twenty-nine. Six to seven weight steers, one eighty-five to two twenty-nine. Peppers, one seventy-five to two fifteen. Seven to eight weight steers, one two fifteen. Peppers, one forty-two to one eighty-nine. And your eight hundred to a thousand pound steers and bull yearlings bring one twenty-five to one fifteen. Heifers bring one thirty-five to one seventy. Do you know of anything for this next go-around? Uh, we've got a few calls. Uh, get some cattle gathered up. I don't have anything particular, any big sellouts or anything like that. But if we get something on the way, we'll give you a shout. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Doug Bass, Cattleman's Brenham. Yes, sir. You can call us. You can call me on my cell, 979-877-4454, or call us here at the office, 979-836-3621. Maybe that's all the time we have for Walking the Pins on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. My name's Larry Marble. You're listening to us right now on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now, where lean hogs finished higher on Tuesday. July hogs up 72 cents, 94.12. August hogs up a dollar. 9105. Class 3 milk was lower. June milk dropped a penny, 1492 a hundredweight, with July milk down 50 cents, 1436 a hundred. The cotton market put in a lower close on Tuesday. The dollar was higher, and that usually ends up pushing cotton prices lower. October cotton down 65 points, 7651. December cotton down 80 at 7706. A better-looking weather forecast for the Midwest. Some rain in the forecast for those dry cornfields across the Midwest Corn Belt pushed corn prices lower on Tuesday. July corn down 14 and a quarter, 6.23 a bushel. September corn down 27 and three quarters, 5.56 and a quarter. With December corn down 27 and a quarter. 561 a bushel. Wheat market pushed lower along with the corn. July Kansas City wheat dropped 28 and 3 quarters, 837 and 3 quarters. July Chicago wheat down 39 and a quarter at 685 a bushel. In the energy markets, August natural gas down 10 cents at 278. August West Texas crude down a dollar 71, 67, 66 a barrel. The financial markets mostly higher. Tuesday afternoon, the Dow was up 234 points, 33,949. The NASDAQ up 225, 13,555. The S&P up 49 at 4,377. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.